Heavenly Father, we stand in your presence only because of the Lamb of God that took away our sin and his precious blood redeemed us. And Father, when we this week, Lord, will once again come to battle, Lord, with sin in the old nature, I pray that we might remember that we are filled with your Holy Spirit and you give us the power not to sin. And Lord, as we find victory through Christ, let us remember that you remember our sin no more. Now bless our time in the word, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me, would you turn to the book of Colossians this morning? We continue our series. Uh, we're in chapter 3, and we want to cl- conclude chapter 3 here. Colossians 3. Again, the Apostle Paul in this chapter was teaching about our union with Christ and what that does to transform our relationships with one another and in the home. And that we are now members of the body of Christ. We belong to him. We've been bought with that price. And so now we're going to see Paul once again turns to a Subject that he has mentioned in some of his other epistles, and that concerns the culture of that day in the Roman culture. And that is slaves and masters. Now, we don't have it here today. Yes, other countries still, um, still practice slavery. But we're thankful that um, the, the horror of it here. We don't have it here in America anymore. But something to understand as we look at these verses, picking up at verse 22 through chapter 4, verse 1 this morning. He's going to talk about slaves and masters. Before we read this, uh, just a note about the, this whole uh, idea of master-slave in in the days of Christ, in the days of the apostles, the Roman Empire, that it was very common in the ancient world. In fact, historians tell us that in Rome, in the Roman Empire, there were some 60 million slaves. And so that meant that half the population were considered slaves or servants in the empire. Now, because Romans were free, if you were a Roman citizen, you were allowed to have people do your work for you. And so you would have slaves perform most of the work. And they did much of the domestic work in a home. Uh, So the master of the home would have servants or slaves doing medical work, teaching, domestic work, all kinds of things. But we find that slavery is rooted deeply in biblical history in the Middle East. But I want you to read first, and then we're going to be looking at some passages together. But we want to take this passage and apply it spiritually to our lives 
as believers in Jesus Christ. And you'll see how this can relate to you and to me this morning. So look what Paul says, Colossians 3, beginning of verse 22. Slaves, in all these things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with, with external service, as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart. And there's a, key, there's a key phrase we want to look at this morning. Sincerity of heart. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. You see, if I have sincerity of heart, it's going to come from my fearing the Lord and cause me to fear the Lord. Which means to reverence and honor Him as my God and my Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, okay, now he's talking to slaves at this point in the, in the empire, those who were believers, whatever you do, do your work heartily, there it is again, heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. He is talking about the future rewards of the believer and also the consequences of those who do not know Christ and uh, will, not, uh, will stand before him guilty. And there will be consequences, there will be judgment. Verse uh, one of chapter four then masters now he speaks to masters grant your slaves justice and fairness knowing that you too have a master in heaven so here the apostle paul we see is speaking to two groups the slaves of the kingdom and the masters those who over oversee them and rule them and he has a word of admonishment to each one of them. And to those who were, many of them were born slaves into a family that, that was uh, part of the culture and, and their parents and grandparents were slaves. So Paul is talking to them. And what is he saying to them? He's saying in all things, verse 22, see that in all things, those who are your masters on earth you are to obey, not with just external service to just please men, but there it is with sincerity of heart. And so what we want to do is we can take this and of course we can, in modern day terms, we can consider it like an employer and an employee. Some of you had been or are Employers, you have people working under you that you pay and they have to abide by your rules. But then there's many who are employed by someone else. Someone else calls the shots. Someone else pays, pays you and uh, dictates what your job description is supposed to be. And so how, the, we can certainly relate this to the employer employee. So how would we do that? Well, first of all, for the employee, we should obey our employer, verse 22, on earth, 
not just with outward expression and service, which doesn't come from the heart, but he's talking about doing whatever you do in service for your employer or anyone who's in authority over you to do it heartily with sincerity of heart, doing it for the Lord. This whole thing concerns my doing whatever I am given to do on this earth. I'm doing it for my Lord Jesus Christ. And I must always keep that in mind, that he is my Lord and Savior. And he wants me to have a heart that is focused on him. So that I understand that no matter what someone calls me to do, I do it in the name of Christ because I am his. And I must have the heart and the mind of being a slave of Jesus Christ, my master. Now here we see the relationship to uh, those of you who may be employers, have people working under you. In verse 1 of chapter 4, you could say, Employers, grant your servants, or those who work under you, slaves, justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So for the employer, it, here comes a message. Treat your workers with fairness and justice, because... God, the master, is watching over you, and we will have to answer to him someday. But I want to now understand something concerning that word slaves that you, you read here. The, the word slaves in the Greek is doulos, doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. And that word, basically, the the original, the root word of that means to bind to something or someone. It has the idea to convey that a slave or servant is bound to his master or a person who is in submission to someone else. And this word, uh, slaves here in the New Testament, in uh, the New American Standard Version that I'm teaching from, uh, is translated in the King James many times as servant rather than slaves. The King James Version identifies 127 occurrences of the word doulos and chooses to translate it 120 times as servant instead of the word slaves or bond servant. But I want you to see with me how does this relate to us and so we're going to go back into the old testament here because i want you to see the relationship that god set up in uh in israel uh and under his law what he told the masters and the slaves they could do and there there was an order to it so turn with me first to exodus 21 Let's go to Exodus 21. Exodus 21. And I wanted to focus in here upon our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So it doesn't matter whether you're employed, unemployed, you're a child here, doesn't matter what your age is. The message we have this morning from God's Word is going to be for each and every one of us this morning. So Exodus 21, 16. Look at verse 16. So now here are the ordinances that were set before them by God. Verse 16. He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession, shall surely be put to death. Do you see that in verse 16? He who kidnaps a man and then makes, basically makes him his slave or sells him to someone else as a slave. God says that is wrong, and that, that person who does that will be put to death. Um, how sad to, to look at the news yesterday and the shock when you turned on the TV and you saw that we have a new war going on in the Middle East. And suddenly now Israel has to defend itself as Hamas, as many of you know, over 3,000 rockets simultaneously they sent over into Israel to bomb and kill civilians, men, women, and children. A complete terrorist attack. And so Israel tried to defend itself with its Iron Dome uh, defense. But... Now they had to declare war on Hamas because basically Hamas has declared war on them. And if you saw the news, what Hamas did, they not only sent rockets and, uh, over to bomb Israel, but they infiltrated by land and sea. And so they came across the border into Israel. And you will, some of you may have seen videos of this. The videos of uh, them just grabbing women. There were, there were a number of, of Israelis that were celebrating the Sabbath, and they were, they were in a desert area, a whole bunch of them, and suddenly the Hamas soldiers r rolled in, and they shot many of them, and then they kidnapped, uh, especially the women and some of the children, and they kidnapped them. And you could see a video of them shoving, tying a woman's hands and taking her against her will and shoving her into a jeep and then riding off. And so many now are hostages by Hamas, many Jews. And this war is now, now on top of everything else. You can just see the signs of the times. Here we are in the last days and, and we see this. But as I saw that, I couldn't help but think of this verse, that the Jews were not allowed to do anything, any such thing as to kidnap someone or take someone against their will and make them a slave. But yet, there are, there are rules and ordinances to follow that the Apostle Paul would... Uh, would speak of when he, he's talking about our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to uh, take a look at who we are in Christ 
and how should we then serve? The songs we sang today, one of the songs about serving the Lord, you know, great day to serve the Lord. I have to ask myself, where is, what kind of heart do I have in my service for the Lord? And as a Christian out there in that world, do they know that Jesus Christ is my master? Do they really know? We're going to come back to the Old Testament, but I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7 together. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 7 verses 21 to 22. And actually, uh, which we will go to 24, 21 to 24, 1 Corinthians 7, 21, 24. Paul writes to the church, were you called while a slave? Now he's talking to, again, those many in the, ch the church, the new church, were slaves in real life in the economy. Again, slavery was part of the economy back then. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who was called, now that word called, he's talking about those who came to Christ, were called into the family of God and were saved, okay? So first he's saying, were you called, were you, were you saved while you were a slave? If you were, don't worry about it. But remember that you were called in the Lord while a slave. You are actually free because you belong to the Lord Jesus. But then he speaks to those who in the church were free men, Roman citizens. And he who was saved or called while free is Christ's what? Verse 22. Slave. Christ's slave. For you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each man remain with God in the condition in which he was called. In other words, sometimes we just try and change our, our circumstances and force our way out of something. But here, basically the Apostle Paul is saying, whatever you, wherever you are placed and called by God to serve, it is there you must remember who you serve, ultimately. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that would take us then to Romans chapter 6. So if you will go to Romans chapter 6 with me. We'll pick it up at verse 11. Romans 6, 11. Now Paul writes to the church in Rome. And again... There is, uh, everybody understands master-slave. But he doesn't, he's not going to speak on an earthly level, but now he's talking to the believer about who do they really serve and how do they really serve. Verse 11, even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin. 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, because now you're saved. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members, members of your body, as instruments of the righteousness of God. For sin, verse 14, for sin shall not be what? Master over you. Now here is that, that uh, uh, whole problem with sin uh, trying to uh, rule your life, the old nature, the old man. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. But because we're under grace, does that mean I can go sin and do anything I want? Some people teach that. Well, now you're saved. We're under grace. We're not under law. I don't have to obey. There are actually people who believe I don't have to obey the Ten Commandments. They'll teach that. We're, we're under grace. I can live any way I want. God's going to forgive me. This is not what God is saying through the Apostle Paul. He's saying, do not let sin have mastery over you. Don't let that old nature that is crucified, but he's still there until we get to heaven. He can raise his ugly head and and with that old nature, we can, we can end up sinning. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? May it never be, Paul says. Do, not, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. So basically Paul is saying, dear Christian, do you find sin has, uh, and it may be just certain sins, it may be uh, one specific sin that continues to haunt you and you're, you're struggling with, and that sin seems to, to uh, you know, you, you end up finding yourself doing it over and over, and you're battling with it. But look at verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, were slaves to sin, even though sin is still present in you, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, the gospel. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, he's talking about before we were saved, what, what kind of life we lived, we were slaves to sin, slaves to impurity and lawlessness. So now, what are we to do? Now that we have Christ living in us, Present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in what? Sanctification. It means setting myself apart unto God. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free 
in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin, and in, here, here's the key point, enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. And there's that familiar verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Paul says, you are now, as believer, remember, you are enslaved to Christ, to God, when you trusted him as Savior. He becomes my Savior, but he also becomes my Lord. When I was saved, I trusted him as my Savior and my Lord. Therefore, no, no matter what, once I am saved, he is my Lord. It's, and no, whatever I do, he remains in that, that uh, position as Lord. But the question is, do I live my life in such a way that I've got my heart sincerely fixed to serve the Lord Jesus Christ as his slave? As his slave. I don't think as many times we just don't think about this. I know I don't. And the Apostle Paul, what do you see him writing throughout his epistles? He continues to say, I am a bondservant. I am a slave to Jesus Christ. And so he continually had that before him and expressing that to the churches as he wrote his letters. He said, I want you to understand something. I may be put in a position by God as an apostle, but I want you to know where my heart is, my heart of sincerity. I am sincerely committed to being a slave of Jesus Christ, being a slave, and that becomes a choice. Since we're in Romans here, just go over to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, familiar verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verse 1, he, Paul writes, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, there's that old nature, slaves to sin, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice what he says. He urges them, the brethren, by the mercies of God, to, to do what? Present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice. If he's telling the Christians in that church to present their bodies, what basically is he saying to them? He's saying, Christian, you have a choice. You and I have a choice. Am I, am I going to live a life where I surrender my, my body, my will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that the way I live, I know in my heart that I'm seeking to live for him. Whatever I do, I do in his name 
for His glory. And I must remember that I am a slave to Christ, that I owe Christ, that I owe Him. Look what He's done for me. He gave His life on the cross for me. How can I not willingly choose to say, Lord Jesus, I am your slave. You do what you will with me. Here is my body to present to you. And that's what Paul is saying to the church. Each one of us must do. There must be a moment where this is a surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And so easy to, well, I'll serve the Lord and he can be Lord in my life when I come to church. Or when I serve the Lord, maybe in Sunday school or do some kind of ministry. I'm involved in a ministry. But then when it comes to my own personal life, I'm basically going to call the shots. Or I'm going to make all my decisions apart from checking with the Lord and his word. And see if what his spirit may want me to do and what his word tells me to do. How careful we must be about our will being surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that, turn to Leviticus 25 now. And I want you to see the spiritual application concerning slavery uh, in the law. Le Leviticus 25, verse 39. Now, here's, <clears throat> here's what a person who would become a slave to someone. Verse 39. And if a countryman of yours, a fellow Jew, becomes so poor with regard to you, in other words, he owes you a lot, so much money, that he sells himself to you. You shall not subject him to a slave service. See, back then, if you were in debt, you owed somebody, what you could do is basically you could say, I will serve you to pay off my debt. And so they didn't become an official slave, but they became a servant in that household. But they were bound to be a servant there for six years to pay off their debt. To pay off that debt. And you, you made that commitment if you were in debt. But look at verses 40 and 41. He shall be with you as a hired man, as if he were a sojourner, a foreigner. He shall serve you with you until the year of, what does it say, jubilee. Until the year of Jubilee. That is called uh, the year of Jubilee is the year that Israel would celebrate because God, it was like the, the uh, just like the Sabbath to the uh, Israelites. God set the Sabbath day as a day of rest and blessing. And so God said, the year of Jubilee is the seventh year when Whoever owes a debt will be free finally from their debt. Look at verse 41. Once they reach the seventh year, the year of Jubilee, he shall then 
the one who became a servant to pay off his debt, he shall then go from out from you and he and his sons with him. And he shall go back to his family that he may return to the property of his forefathers. So here's one way that people paid their debt off by becoming a servant. But now I want you to turn to Exodus 21 in closing. Exodus chapter 21, verse 1. And here is, under the law, what God says about the master and the servant relationship. Now these are the ordinances which are uh, to be set up before you. Verse 2. If you buy a Hebrew slave... So some Hebrews were slaves or, or a servant. He shall serve for six years. There it is, that's six years again. But on the seventh, the, the year of Jubilee, on the seventh, he shall go out as a free man without what? Without payment. He doesn't have to pay anymore for his debt. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. In other words, if, when he became a, a slave or servant to that household and he came in as a single man, then he would leave a single man. If he is the husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. Okay, so he, in the year of Jubilee, he was able to be released and freed. Now, verse 4, if his master gives him a wife, so... A, a slave in, in the Jewish culture then, under the law, if, if the master says, I have a wife for you, another servant of mine, another slave, and you can be married and raise a, raise a family. If, if, she, if that woman is given to him uh, by the master, look at verse 4. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master and she shall, he shall go out alone. Well, that's kind of devastating. If you're, you're now free the seventh year but, and you have, owe no more debt, but you'd have to leave the family if that, your wife came from the master and was given to you. But here, here's what I leave you with, verse 5. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out as a free man. He chooses. He made a choice. The seventh year, he's free to do whatever he wants. But he comes to a decision and says, the master that I've served for six years, I actually love him. I don't hate him. But I love him. How much do I love him? I'm willing to stay. To be his servant and his slave. And so look at verse 6. So if the slave says, I love my master enough that I'm, I'm going to stay and serve him. Then his master shall bring him to God. Or to the judges. Because the judges represented God here. Then he shall bring him to the door. Or the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. A-W-L. 
and he shall serve him, how long? Forever or permanently. Many of you know, you, you who work with uh, our carpenters and things, you know what an awl is. And it's that, that tool that is, has a, is a metal tool that has a point to it. And basically an awl was used to, to make holes in leather or clothing or uh, in wood, something like that. And you took a hammer and you, you hammered it. Well, they would take an awl and the, the slave would go up against the wall and they'd stretch his ear out. And then the, the, the master would, would take that awl and he would pierce through. Now, you know, women today, uh, you know, many of them, many have had their ears pierced. And, and now men too, also. Back then, this was an ear piercing. We don't know whether or not the, a ring was put in the ear or not, but a hole was made in that ear. And that hole was big enough to be seen by everyone else. It was a mark that said, I have chosen to serve my master forever and ever. And my friends, do you see the application in our lives here? You and I have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, redeemed. He has purchased us with his blood. And so this body belongs to him. And so therefore, I should choose to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life in every area. And as it were, Lord, put, put a hole in my ear, pierce my, my ear, uh, your all, and, and mark me. And the Apostle Paul would often talk about the marks that he received on his body for, for the sake of Christ in suffering. Any kind of suffering that you do is like getting a mark like this slave and saying, I am willing to suffer from my Lord Jesus Christ no matter what it is because he died for me and saved me from everlasting hell and forgave all my sins. My friend this morning, let us make a decision. Am I going to serve my Lord Jesus Christ as my master and be sincere of heart in it? For when I do that, when, I'm, when I, am, I, I uh, follow Romans, uh, Romans 12.1, and I say, I present my body as a living sacrifice to him, what happens then? That will give me a sincere heart to any service that I do, whether a person is good to me, whether they're evil to me, whether at work, at home, wherever it is, I know that I belong to the Savior and I must act a certain way. I must talk a certain way. I must live a certain way so that they might know, the world might know, that I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. As we close this morning, dear Christian, the Lord may be speaking to your heart. There may be an area of your life that you have not really surrendered to him and his lordship. It's that thing that has continued to haunt you and, and continued to give you sorrow and pain over because your new nature doesn't want to do it, but the old nature is still there urging you to continue.
Would you confess your sin right now, dear Christian? Confess that sin that you have allowed in your life. Or maybe it's attitudes, certain attitudes that are wrong to, other, uh, to others. Bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. But you, would you present your body now a living sacrifice to the Lord and say, Lord, I am yours. You saved me. You redeemed me. And now I want to commit myself as a slave of yours for you to do with me as you will. Give me that sincere heart, Father. Give me that sincere heart. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to accept Jesus as your Savior this morning. It's, if you understand the simple gospel that Jesus went to the cross to die in your place, he took the punishment for your sins, and if you would but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Your sins will be forgiven you. You will become a child of God. If you want to make that decision, you can make it right now. Just pray this simple prayer with me that you might be born again spiritually and become a child of God. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, dear friend, you are now a child of the King. You have now have a new, uh, new person living within you. You have Christ living within you and he's given you a new nature. Old things pass away. All things now become new. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. May we leave here, Lord, choosing to be a servant and a slave of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know that that will please you and glorify you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.